Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. So after having spent 16 weeks looking into the wrath and judgment of God, we get to today, Revelation chapter 21, and we get to see the promise of heaven. Now, Jesus spoke more about hell than he did of heaven, and in Revelation, we're hearing more about judgment than we are of this promise, and the reason is very simple. It's because God wants you to be warned, and he wants you to be aware of what is going to happen to you for all of eternity if you do not make a decision for Jesus Christ. But we still do get to look into the hope of heaven, and that's what we're going to look at today. How many of you like new things? Raise your hand. Let me see. Like, how many of you like getting a new pair of shoes? Like, look at all the ladies' hands go up. Now, let's be honest. Sneakers, you guys like sneakers, right? You guys are checking the calendars to see when the Jordans are coming out and stuff just like I am. Sneakers, right? We like new, we like new shoes. We like a new haircut. Sometimes we, we get blessed and we get a new car. Or how many of you guys have ever moved into a brand new house? No one's ever lived there before. And you have something that's new, that's just yours and nobody else's. You're the only one who's ever owned whatever that thing is. New phones, that's a big thing nowadays, right? I mean, Apple has us like, they have us on the edge of our seats waiting for the next iPhone to come out, and it's crazy. We try to fill our lives with all of this stuff, thinking that somehow it's going to satisfy the cravings or the longings of our heart, but what we're going to read about today is the only thing that's really ever going to truly satisfy the longing that you're feeling this morning. The phone isn't going to do it, the sneakers aren't going to do it. The high heels or pumps or whatever you ladies call those things, they're not going to do it. The new haircut's not going to do it. The new house isn't going to do it. And the new car isn't going to do it. Heaven is going to satisfy you like nothing has ever satisfied you before. Amen? So let's check this out. Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away also there was no more sea then i john saw the holy city new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and i heard a loud voice from heaven saying behold the tabernacle of god is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and god himself will be with them and will be their god and god will wipe away every tear from their eyes there shall be no more death nor sorrow nor crying there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away doesn't that sound amazing so what we're going to look at first is we're going to look at god's hand in this recreation process and when god makes something he doesn't use something that was there before In Genesis chapter 1, when it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that word there in Hebrew is bara. It means to create out of nothingness. He didn't use things that were already present and put those things in order in order to create what we see. He started with nothing and created something. No one but God can create like that. You understand that, don't you? Even an artist needs a canvas and paint. 
Even a musician needs notes or instruments. They can't create something out of nothing like God can. But God can, and he does, and he will do it again. It says here that I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That word new in the Greek is kainos. It means this. It means something that was previously unknown. It means something that was unheard of. And it's new and recent and superior in quality to that which was old. Are you following me? Something that's unheard of. Something that is strange or unknown. Something that had never been seen or heard before. That's what the new heaven and the new earth is going to be like. It's not going to be like God takes the pieces of what you see this morning, and after these things have been destroyed, he's going to take what's left over and start rebuilding it. No, it's completely new. No one's ever seen it before, and that's what we have to look forward to. So he says he's going to do this. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Now check this out, Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17 Isaiah 65, 17 says, Behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. The former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. Again, he says, I'm going to create a new heavens and a new earth. That word is bara. I'm going to make it out of nothingness. I'm not going to reorder things. I'm going to make something completely new like you've never seen before. Something previously unknown. And he says this, The former things... I don't want even to be remembered anymore. How many of you, of you are thankful that the old things are going to be forgotten? Yeah? The old sin, if you're in Christ, or you're called a new creature, aren't you? Those former things aren't going to be remembered anymore. And that's what it's going to be like in all of creation. The old stuff is going to be a distant memory. If it's a memory at all, it's not going to be remembered anymore. It's completely washed away and something new has come in its sight. So this scripture says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth because the old or the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. The word passed away means it's come to an end. The time for the first heaven and the first earth, that book has been closed and something new is now coming in its place. Now check this out. Why would God need to completely destroy everything you see in order to do something new? See, in the book of Job, it says that the heavens are not pure in his sight. That everything that we see, it's not pure in God's sight. Now, we're going to see there's going to be this new creation. As a part of this thing that God is doing, there's a new creation, your first point there. And as this new creation is happening, as God is doing this, he's doing this because the former creation, it became tainted and impure and defiled in the eyes of God. How did that happen, you might ask? Raise your hand. That's how it happened. It happened because of you. It happened because of me. It happened because of our choices. And actually, when man fell, the book of Romans in chapter 8, you can read this later on, it actually says the creation fell with man, and now everything that was meant to be ordered the way God had intended was certainly and suddenly placed out of order. It became disorganized and chaotic and now even creation itself is earnestly waiting for the return of Christ. It said, the scripture says in Romans chapter 8 that creation itself is groaning for Jesus to return. You know what grieves my heart, church? Is that I think that creation is doing a better job of waiting for the return of Jesus than the church is. Why? 
Creation is groaning. Creation is placing all of its hope and all of its desire in this return of Jesus. And the church is carrying on like business is normal. There is no prophecy that still needs to be fulfilled for the church to be raptured. Nothing needs to happen. The rapture could happen at any moment. But how is the church living? Are we living like that could really happen at any moment? If we aren't living that way, why aren't we living that way? So creation was disrupted when man fell, when man sinned, at original sin. Now the scripture says this in Colossians chapter 1. It says, for by him, by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him, the word through means on the account of him, and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Everyone say consist. The scripture is saying that in Jesus, he is holding everything together. Creation was disrupted and destroyed when man sinned. And God at this very moment, Jesus at this very moment is holding the whole ship together. If he chose to let go, everything would be destroyed in a moment and in an instant. Just like that. Just like that. If he chooses to say, oh, you know what? I'm finished striving with man. I'm finished putting up with sin on this earth. I'm going to let go of what I'm holding together. Everything we see would cease to exist. Are you following me? Now, scientists are even boggled by this because they know that an atom is made up of a nucleus, which is protons and neutrons. This is like eighth grade science stuff or maybe nowadays fifth grade science stuff. I don't know. Protons and neutrons make up the inner, inner workings of an atom. That's the nucleus, protons and neutrons. And circling around that nucleus are electrons. Protons are positively charged within the nucleus. Electrons are negatively charged that are circling around the nucleus. And what scientists can't figure out is how or why scientific law is continually being thwarted in an atom, in every single atom. Because scientific law says that like forces would repel, but opposite forces would attract. Are you following me? So scientists can't figure out why is it that the atom doesn't just collapse upon itself, why the electrons don't just invade the nucleus to attach to those protons, or why the atom just doesn't disrupt and explode and be destroyed because those protons in the nucleus would be attracted to those electrons and would burst out of the nucleus. Are you following me? They've even called this atomic glue because they can't figure it out. But the Bible says how it's happening. The Bible says that God is holding everything together, that he's the glue. Jesus is the glue. But there's going to come a day where he opens his hand and he says, that's it, I'm done. Listen to how it's described in 2 Peter and Pastor Walt touched on this briefly last week. This is what it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with a fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat? 
That word dissolved, check this out. That word dissolved in the Greek is lyo. Say lyo. It means to loose, to set free, or to untie. So the scripture says that God is holding everything together. And then the scripture says that one day everything's going to be dissolved or literally untied or loosed or set free. Are you following me? This is going to happen. Everything we see will be burned up because God is going to do something completely new. The word new means new in character and new in quality. It's not like something you've ever seen before. Have you ever seen what happens after a volcano erupts here on earth? How tropical and how beautiful what's left behind is? Look at this. Where that fire and that lava and that ash was, it's replaced by something of great beauty. Look at Hawaii. It's basically volcanic ruins. And look at how lush and tropical and beautiful Hawaii is. It's going to be a thousand times better than that, what we have that is our hope that we're waiting for. That's the promise that we have. Now, it says there that in this text, everything is passed away. There will also be no more sea. Now, I don't like the idea of heaven not having beaches because beaches are beautiful, but I'm sure whatever's there is going to be that much greater, that much better. And all of this is going to change. It's not going to be dependent upon the oceans like this current earth is. Everything will be different. Pastor said this last week, the lion and the lamb laying together, the child playing with viper's den, that doesn't make sense. And I don't know how God's going to do it, but I truly hope that there are like ribeye trees in heaven. I know we can't kill, but I, I still want a good steak every now and then, right? I hope that there's bacon bushes that we can just go up to and just pluck the piece of bacon right off of it and pop it in our mouths. Because that would be heaven for me, right? But whatever's going to be there is going to be better than that, better than what I can imagine or how I can try to put it into words. So there's a new creation, but look at this verse 2, there's a new city. Then I, John, saw coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will be with his people. He shall be their God. So this new Jerusalem is coming down. This holy city is coming down from heaven as a bride prepared for her husband, adorned, the scripture says. How horrible would it be for a bride not to be prepared for her wedding day? Now, we see pictures of brides, every bride, that's what she's waiting for. That's what she's hoping for. She cannot wait to be the center of attention, to walk down the aisle for everyone's eyes in the whole room to be looking at her, and she's put together just so. But can you imagine the bride walking down the aisle like she just rolled out of bed, her hair like over on this side, nappy smelling breath, right? No makeup on whatsoever. But that's what some of us are doing as believers. We're supposed to be the bride of Christ. We're supposed to be prepared for our husband, for the groom, but we're walking around looking pretty nappy, right? Are you prepared for him? Jesus said over and over and over again that we need to be watching and praying and prepared that when he comes, we don't want to be found sleeping. We don't want to be asleep when he returns. We want to be ready for his return. We want to be put together. When that word he uses here, John does the word adorned, it's cosmio. Say cosmio. 
Cosmio in the Greek, it's the root word from which we get our word cosmetic. It means to beautify, to arrange, to prepare beautifully, to decorate, to adorn. This bride, that's how prepared she is. She's been decorated beautifully. She's prepared herself to that extent. It's the same word that is used of the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25 when it says that they trimmed their lamps. Cosmio, that's, it means that they adorned themselves. They made themselves ready. They got up and they didn't just trim their lamps. They got themselves ready for the wedding. They were clothed right. They had their hair done. They had their teeth brushed. And they had their makeup on because the groom was about to arrive. My friends, are you the church ready for the groom to arrive? This is what it says in 1 Peter. It says in 1 Peter... We shouldn't let our adornment be merely outward, but we should rather let it be the inward person of the heart with an incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit because these are precious in the sight of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16, this is what it says. It says, for the Lord does not look and see as man sees, for man looks upon the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We spend more time getting ready for church in the mirror than we do in the spirit. We're more worried about what people think about how we're dressed or how we look on the outside than what God sees when we walk through the doors. But the scripture says we shouldn't let our adornment be outward. That God looks on the inward person, the spirit of the heart. Are you ready? What kind of junk have you allowed into your vessel? Are you prepared and adorned for your groom? Because in heaven, the only people that are going to be there are those who are prepared and adorned. And I want to be prepared and adorned. Amen? So we not only see a new creation, we not only see a new city, we also see a new companionship. Check this out. Verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Check this out. I love this. The word tabernacle, it means a tent or a booth. That God wants to make his home with man. That he wants to find himself with man. Now, we, we saw in the beginning in the garden, God dwelt with man in the midst of the garden, Right? We see when the tabernacle was constructed and when the temple was constructed that God came and his glory dwelt with man in the temple. And the priest could go in and only the high priest once a year could be in the presence of God. And when Jesus came, the veil of the temple was torn in two and now we can enjoy that presence at all times. God wants to be present with people. God desires to be there with people. But here's the amazing thing, my friends, is that today... God's glory doesn't dwell in buildings made with hands. As beautiful as a church this is, if the church isn't here, God's spirit isn't here. Why? Because today God chooses to dwell in the midst of the spiritual church, the people of the church, not the physical church, the, the walls. Listen, Ephesians chapter 2, it says that we are all like a building being fitted together and it grows into a holy temple in the Lord and being, in whom we are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That that's what the church is. The church is like a building that is being built for God to dwell in. You as an individual believer, the scripture says that your body, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. 
in whom you have from God, and you are not your own. And then it says, and you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in that body. That you are not your own. That God has purchased you and ransomed you. Now, here's what Jesus did at the cross. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were once far from God. That we were once separated from God, separated by sin, separated by the consequences of sin, which is death. That we couldn't come into his presence. That we couldn't dwell with him even if we wanted to. But the scripture says, you who were once afar off, he is brought near by the blood of Jesus. And he has torn down the middle wall of separation that separated you from him. And no longer is there a wall separating you from God's presence, but you can enjoy his presence at all times. That's what's there for your taking. So there's this new companionship. We get this intimacy with God restored, but there's also going to be a new kind of comfort. Verse 4, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death. God sees every tear you cry. The scripture says that he holds them in a bottle and that you're not going to have to deal with that any longer. No more tears. There'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. How many times have you been tortured by even your own choices, by a life filled of choices that only lead to regret? Well, the scripture says that in the presence of Jesus, in in heaven itself, there'll be no more sorrow, no more regret. You're no longer going to be vexed and tortured by those choices that you wish you could have back. It says that there's going to be Even here in verse 4, it says, No more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Those former things have been forgotten and washed clean. No more pain. How many of you are looking forward to no more pain? Maybe like a knee here, a hip there, a shoulder here, headaches there, right? All of that stuff gone. Our earthly tents, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, they're being destroyed. These earthly tents are going through it, but we have the hope of a new tent. We're going to take on a new body. And those former pains, those nicks and scrapes and cuts, they're going to be completely gone, passed away, forgotten, never to rear their ugly head again. That's something that we can hope in. That's the hope that we have in heaven. So we're going to go from God's hand in this new creation, and now we're going to look at God's declaration. He says, I will make all things new. Verse 5. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. It is done. It is finished. So there's this declaration, and the beginning of this declaration, it's a declaration of completion. That what I set out to accomplish, I have accomplished. What I set out to do, I have done. A declaration of of completion. You guys can write that down because that next slide will come up. Declaration. Boom! There it is. (laughs) Declaration of completion. When he says it is done, listen to this. The word is gnomai in Greek and it's very descriptive. It means to be born or to give birth to. It means to produce or to bring forth. Literally, it's to change the character of something through a rebirth. 
That's how God is going to make things new. He says, it is done. I have rebirthed everything. I created once, and now I have created again. And a part of that creation, do you realize this, that God wants to make you new as well? It's not just the heavens and the earth, but it's you. Write your name in there. You get a new lease. You get a fresh start. You get a fresh body. You get to do this with God. You get to walk in this newness with Jesus. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.